You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to the website for free. Use the promo code MIMI30. Also, subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker Podcast, on all platforms. I'm joined today by John Garcia, Jr., National Recruiting Analyst for Rivals.com, to talk a little recruiting here on Arrivals Monday. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing well, Marcus. Happy to, to be back on the, the pod with you. I know uh, not the best of on-field times for the Canes, but uh, as recruiting will tell us, the future is pretty bright. Yeah, I mean, a couple of losses, um, but it's nothing I think the Hurricanes cannot bounce back from. As we've seen with the last loss, they were able to land Nykar, the outstanding talent yeah. from, from Georgia, right afterwards. Um, I saw him briefly at the, at the game, and he was definitely in good spirits and uh, was enjoying his visit to the U. So... Adding that piece to to a 2024 class that's already ranked in the top 15 was critical. But now we're kind of like in the middle of football season here, and it's kind of a drive to early signing day, which is now the real signing day. Uh, let's let's just be honest about that. How do you think this class kind of shapes out here? And you know, what are your thoughts about the class thus far? Yeah, I think it's a, a really strong group, um, just like we've seen with with Mario Cristobal. The emphasis on the Tri-County area has been really evident. Um, obviously, the work's not done. One, you got to hold on to these great players, you know, JoJo and, and Zaquan and, and Chance and these great local players. But on the other side, you're still working to, you know, flip and stay in the game with Jeremiah Smith and Luane McCoy. So the local angle, I think, is probably as strong as anybody could have expected a couple of cycles in uh, for Mario and this this coaching staff that, that all sort of deserve their own due. And like you said, top 15 class now up to 12 after the NICAR commitment, and he could be a five-star bump for us in the future. We've already put it on paper that he's pushing for that fifth star. He just set the school record at Colquitt County for touchdown receptions, and, and that's one of the storied high school's in South Georgia. So that is no small feat. This is one of the more complete wide receivers uh, in the country. So I do think that that fifth star is a possibility, which would bump Miami up even more. Um, and obviously there are more targets out there. So the, the possibilities of another top 10 type class are right in, in arm's length uh, for the Canes. In fact, between spot number 12 and spot number nine, in the rivals rankings, which is currently occupied by Alabama, only about a hundred point difference between those four schools. And for those of you who don't understand the rivals formula, that is not a lot. That's one blue chipper away from any of those schools moving up or down in the coming weeks. So Miami can fall forward and end up in the top 10 uh, without a whole lot of splash going forward. So I think that's exactly where you want to be, you know, because there's, there's just so many, I guess open spots in the top 10, you know certain schools are going to occupy them, right? Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, I mean, Texas A&M, there are certain schools that are just basically reserved 
in that top 10. So in reality, there's only a few spots up for grabs that fluctuate year in, year out. So for Miami to be in striking distance for one of those, I think is, again, close to ideal status. Um, and then you look at the class itself. Like we said, heavy South Florida emphasis, a lot of success there. And that coincides with skill positions. You know, I think the skill group for Miami is both quality and quantity already at this point. Um, so you're looking for a little bit more depth uh, in the trenches and front seven uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that's where you see a little bit more emphasis going forward from the U. But 23 commits right now. I don't know if more than one or two are seriously entertaining other schools. So the opportunity to hold on to the bulk of the group is is basically already set in stone, which I think is obviously another great sign for the belief and the buy-in that this group has with Mario and the U going forward. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot of defections, uh, in my opinion, uh, almost no matter what happens on the field, which is a good reminder for this fan base that it doesn't matter as much as we think it does because these kids are bought into a, a three, four, five-year plan in, in some cases. Yeah, the kids are definitely buying into the culture and the South Florida contingency is, is definitely something that's strong with this class and could grow. And quarterback play is a concern right now on the field a little bit or when I, you know, see the messages on my message board on canescounty.com uh, with Tyler Van Dyke and some are also concerned about the quarterback's position when it comes to recruiting as well. So Judd Anderson is, is their current quarterback committed to this 2024 class. First, your opinions on him as a quarterback and just how, how much potential you think he has on the college level. And do you think Miami should add another QB? And is there another QB out there that Miami could potentially add to this 2024 class? Yeah, I'll start with, you know, at the time Miami took Judd Anderson's commitment, I was pretty skeptical. We had seen Judd in person a good bit. Look, massive kid, 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'7", six, huge arm. And, and, you know, you could tell physically he was still very much on the front end of, of his development. So, you know, the mechanics aren't the best, a, a bit of a labor to get to that release point. But in the, I guess it feels, it feels like a year since he committed, um, and he changed, he transferred high schools. He went to a more, you know, modern spread pass first high school as a senior down there um, near Nicar uh, in South Georgia, playing at Warner Robins. And we're seeing him spin it that much more. So I, I think the senior change for Judd Anderson has been positive. I don't think he'll stay a 5.5 on rivals. Not saying he's going to get that Nicar bump, but he looks more comfortable. He looks more productive. Uh, and we're getting to see him step into throws and, and kind of utilize what he looks like. I mean, he's 6'7", 200 plus pounds. So you expect a strong arm and consistent accuracy, especially intermediate to deep. And now we're getting more of that as a senior. And I think that's really important because you want to see you want to see every position take steps every single year, but especially quarterback, the processing, the flow, uh, just kind of the comfort should be very apparent when you're, in Judd's case, a three- or four-year starter. Um, so stepping into these throws should look much more comfortable and efficient, and I think we get more of that from him 
um, going forward uh, as the rest of the senior season unfolds. So my opinion of him is higher than it was back when he committed, which is a you know a shout out to Shannon Dawson and and that evaluation. That said, look, it, it's a numbers game at quarterback. You know this, Marcus. Every college football program is dealing with the combination of we need to get dudes in recruiting and then we need to keep our guys and then what about the portal i mean that's everybody's thinking whether you're a college football playoff contender or a first year coaching staff just trying to get a couple wins under your belt everybody's sort of in that same boat from a numbers perspective and look if if tyler van dyke is gone beyond this season miami's left with two scholarship quarterbacks three when you bring in anderson that's not enough uh, I think that's very clear, uh, whether it's the portal and, and obviously, you know, you could lose a quarterback that's already on the roster as well. That is very normal for, again, just about every single program. So you got to think numbers wise, the combination of a high school edition or a transfer portal edition or maybe both, I would say, become more and more likely for Miami, uh, depending on how the rest of this season uh, shakes out with, with TVD. But again, numbers wise, you can't go into a power five campaign with three scholarship quarterbacks. It's, it's just sort of not enough. Some some programs have done it, uh, but Miami will theoretically be doing it next year without an experienced guy among those three quarterbacks. So I think it opens the door for more opportunity, whether it is another high school arm. I mean, look, yeah. Cedric Bailey is is right down the road at Shamanad Madonna. We all know yeah about his history i mean he's lost like five games in his life so that alone i think would be intriguing and he's another guy just about as tall as, as judd anderson ironically enough uh right. but much more mobile uh much more comfortable playing against elite competition he's sort of the unsung hero of shaman on madonna because they have so much talent that he's always the one who kind of gets overlooked but he has distributed the football incredibly well he's gotten better as well i mean his arm strength looks much improved in 2023 he looks more efficient uh, and again that processing looks a lot easier for him um but you know committed to nc state and has been for some time we know miami has kind of been hot and cold with him at times so how does that factor in um alberto mendoza state champion at columbus high school uh right there in miami obviously a ton of ties to to the hurricane program there has been communication between the Miami staff and Mendoza, who is more of a, I'd say conventional pocket passer. He's a decision maker, sort of a true point guard out there. Uh, another guy with a ton of experience, championship pedigree. So he's one I'd keep an eye on. And, and then again, you, you, you wonder if Miami's keeping the door open just in general, will it be a flip candidate? Uh, is there a, a senior emerging at quarterback that we aren't talking about that is starting to sort of put up numbers uh whether it's in the state of florida or beyond you know those are always possibilities and again if you're an oc if you're a head coach you always have the door open and the possibility open to say hey we need another arm or or two and i think the latter could be very possible for miami depending on how the next two months shake out yeah it should be very interesting how they play this quarterback position uh i love mendoza and i also love cj bailey as well i think they are both quarterbacks that Shannon Dawson could develop into great quarterbacks right now. They're good players and both committed to, you know, FBS schools and James Madison and NC state. Um, but we'll, we'll see if there is a, a strong push for those two 
local guys, uh, Mendoza's brother, already doing things over there at Cal, yeah. um, by the way. So uh, definitely a lineage of, of quarterback in the Mendoza household. And uh, also wanted to talk about how Miami kind of, I guess, swung and missed that Aiden Brayland and uh, the big defensive tackle out of California, the powerhouse in modern day. And uh, they've been kind of in it with him uh, ever since I think he visited last year. I remember seeing him on campus and it did, didn't turn out that way. And, you know, uh, Breland ends up committing to the Oregon Ducks. And now Miami, you know, has now missed out on a few big defensive tackles and Justin Scott and um, David Stone and now Aiden Breland. Uh, they do have Dalen and, and um, Artavius Jones committed to the class, but you feel like they actually need another interior lineman. Is there someone out there that they could possibly add to this class to make up for missing on some of uh, some big fish out there? Yeah, well, let me start with the two guys they got committed because if if there's a bigger stock up hurricane commitment than Artavius Jones, point them out to me because this is a guy that from the moment he committed and the more we we dug into the research and the tape and had a buddy go see him in person, everything is so overwhelmingly positive with his frame and athleticism and potential. He could be a bell cow of this class when we look back at it two, three years down the road. Uh, obviously, depth is important, and I like that you included Dalen Russell as maybe an interior guy because last year he was more of an edge at Columbus, but now he's like 280, 280 plus, uh, and he is wrecking shop on the inside. I got to get you some some video from the game I shot from Columbus Northwestern. Uh, he was everywhere, multiple sacks. I think he had a, a forced fumble as well. Um, he looks more comfortable on the inside as sort of a Again, you don't want to throw Aaron Donald's name out there, but just a guy who is quicker than your average interior lineman, but still stout sure. enough to, to hold the point and play the, the run game. So not just being an undersized pass rusher on the inside. He's a guy who I think can hold up on the inside. So the foundation in the class is good. But like you said, the big fish, the national recruits Miami has missed on on the defensive interior. So you, you move forward and you look at a guy like LJ McCray, from Daytona Beach mainland. Um, I think this recruitment and his projection has changed a lot in the last year. We keep talking about these senior seasons and how important they are for evaluation, not only for us at Rivals, but more importantly for these college coaches. You know, LJ McCray was a year ago this, this tight end defensive end hybrid that everyone thought was long and lean and had this great upside as an edge prospect. We go see him a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's 6'6", 275. And he's still playing outside, but, you know, going forward with that frame, you feel like he's going to be an interior-type talent. Uh, Jason Taylor was at the game. Florida had coaches at, at the game there as well. Um, and you you saw the flashes as to why he's, he's such a big riser, again, as a senior, much more comfortable on the defensive side of the ball. So he's committing in a few days, October 21st, uh, a couple days after he turns 18. And let me tell you, talking to him – after that game, I sent you the audio. He has no, he had no idea at that point. He was very much like not frustrated, but almost just stressed, you know, just pressed about 
the recruiting process, trying to narrow the list from five contenders down to one. So usually when we get to this stage, Marcus, it's like, hey, it's a two-team race. We, we think he's going here. If not, this is the team to watch. But from from his, from McCray himself, like there is no clear indication. Now, you start zooming out a little bit and, and you know, using your contacts in the SEC and the ACC, and you say, okay, Florida appears to be the coaching staff that's most confident, but Georgia really wants him. They missed on Aiden Breland as well. Miami really wants him, obviously also missed – on Breland and then Florida State got the last official visit. So there was really sort of a campaign or an angle for all of these schools going into this race. And I think what makes McCray that much more valuable and harder to predict from a where he where is he going to go standpoint is he's kind of the last big trenchman on the board after Breland. Um, you know, he's kind of the last big fish among the uncommitted. Obviously, they're going to be flips. They're going to be changes with, with some of these guys. But in terms of the uncommitted guys, he's kind of the last true blue chipper Saturday, maybe Sunday guy that we are evaluating at this point. So yeah, the opportunity to, to finish strong at a position of need for everyone at every level could change where he's at. The phone calls, the attention, the effort from these schools, I guarantee you in the last five to, to eight weeks has shifted because he is the last big fish out there on the defensive line, which is always important. So I think all of that really clouds our job in trying to project it. Um, but again, all of these schools need him. He's been to all of these campuses several times. We know Miami is pushing as, as hard as it possibly could. There's not a lot left at the position. So uh, I could see this one going in a variety of directions. I think Outside of Auburn, you have a legitimate chance for any of those other schools, although LJ will say Auburn as well. They're all in it. He says they're all still in it going into this, this final decision. So it looks like it's going to be one of those where he's going to wake up on the 21st and, and see where that gut uh, is trending. So that will be a fascinating decision, not only on the 21st, but beyond. Because, again, people aren't going to slow down just because that verbal commitment uh, has has gone out. It, it's too close to National Signing Day in, in December. So uh, I think LJ McCray is going to be a fascinating recruit, both at the end of this week and, and certainly beyond. Yeah, it, it will certainly be fascinating to see where he chooses to go. Um, yeah, for, from what I hear as well, I, I feel like this is like a four-team race between Georgia, Florida, Florida State, and Miami. And I, I, I don't have a beat on 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 where he he goes here. I may learn more things and you may too as as the week goes on, but right now it's it's a mystery on where LJ McCray will land. And as far as 2024 class, John, I mean, we we talked about it. It's currently ranked 12th in the nation. But um, there's a lot of potential, like like you said, uh, with, you know, Artavius Jones and, you know, Dalen Russell. I don't know. Maybe he may may get a bump up in in rating as well. And and other and other players. How, how good do you think this class could be? I, I guess if, if you could compare it to maybe the 2023 class for Miami, which is performing 
at a really high level, obviously. Uh, you got Ruben Bain doing uh, amazing things. You got Francis Malanoa, who has started every game. And, um, you know, you've got some other players that are also getting some playing time, like, you know, Damari Brown uh, gets in there. Uh, Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph was in for the North Carolina game for several plays and was in on punt return as well for the Hurricanes. Just as it stands now, does does this class really kind of compare to this 23 class? And just what's the potential of it going forward? Yeah, I think so, because you want you want a little bit of everything, right? You want you want your no doubter, hey, this guy's gonna make plays next year kind of group. And then you want your, hey, we loaded up at this premium position or and or big position of need group. And then you have your developmental group. Hey, in, in a year or two, you're gonna start hearing about player X a lot more. And I think this class has all of that within it, you know, in terms of the instant impact guys. Look, we talked about Chaminade in the past. Zaquan Patterson, you guys know. Your audience should know by now. I'm, yeah. I'm as big a fan of his as as any analyst in the country. Every single time over three years you've watched Chaminade play, number now number zero has flashed in a big way. And what I like about Zaquan is that he'll do it on defense as, as usual as you would expect, but you'll see it on special teams. You'll see it on offense on occasion. He's a football player. He's a guy, especially with the expected transition in the secondary at safety, it would be really, really hard to imagine him not finding a role somewhere the moment he gets on campus uh, there in Coral Gables. And then on the other side of the ball, we've already talked about Nikar. I mean, I think this receiver group, uh, no matter how it shakes out between him and, and JoJo Trader, Chance Robinson, maybe you cap it with Jeremiah Smith, even if you don't, this receiver group almost has to have one guy emerge, right? This is a, a current receiver um, room at Miami that's a little bit older. Um, it's pretty experienced. There's going to be some departures. So there's going to be an opportunity, we think, for a guy, maybe two guys, to step right in. And usually that comes with one of two paths. Either it's just a freak athlete, which would be the JoJo Trader route, or it's a really polished freshman that's just ready to go. And, and that's what I think Nikar is going to be at six foot 180 kind of stefan Diggs kind of vibes from him not the biggest not the fastest but when you put it all together extremely physical a great great route runner i cannot emphasize that enough route running has become one of the most important traits to evaluate the receiver position because everybody's spreading it out everybody's playing zone you know and, and if you're a freshman you're not going to face that coverage leaning towards you It'll be opposite. So at least early in the season, that's a guy who's going to be able to take advantage of matchups if he continues this trajectory of, of just being so darn polished. So I could see him being a, a true instant impact performer um, if, we, if we get what we expect at the wide receiver position. And then otherwise, I think you've got some flash players. I love the the pass rushing combination of, of Marquise Lightfoot and Elias Rudolph. I think one of those two, probably Lightfoot, We'll be ready to go next year. And the other is more developmental. But, man, when Elias Rudolph clicks and when that is, is figured out, this could be an all-ACC uh, type of performer. So, again, premium positions, flash players, and depth. I think Miami's got this throughout this class of, of 2024. And, and like you said, that's what we saw with that 23 group, a couple of, of, of guys who are in there every game. 
And then as the season goes on, we see a, a little bit more. But there's just, again, there's just a lot to like in this class. I think Elijah Lofton, the tight end, is kind of undervalued yeah. in this class. I just think this the pass catcher group as a whole could have one or two guys that, that really have to step up uh, just because of the circumstances. So I think that's going to be the group to watch. And then obviously, again, Zaquan Patterson, just in terms of what he brings to the table, I just feel like that's a position where he's going to find a way to, to make plays on Saturdays from game one and, and beyond. Yeah, I agree. And I believe James James Williams and Cameron Kitchens will likely go to the NFL. So it's going to give Zaquan Patterson an opportunity to play as much as he can right away. But on the subject of pass catchers, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the biggest fish of them all. <laughs> <laughs> which is Jeremiah Smith out of Shamanad Madonna, the five-star freak. Um, Miami is, you know, still pursuing him. He was at the Georgia Tech game. I want to say, unfortunately for Hurricane <laughs> fans, he, he was at that game. He was there, yes. Yeah, it, it wasn't their best game. Let's just say that. Um, don't want to bring up any nightmares for any Hurricanes fans about that one. But he was at the game recently or, or on a game day visit recently. Um, he still seems pretty solid with Ohio State at this point. I know Florida State is also pushing as well. But the fans want to know, John, does Miami have a shot at J.J.? A shot, yes. I, I think again, you know, he's he's told us straight up, if I don't go to Ohio State, I'm staying in Florida. So that path, that um, that path to victory is there. You just have to sort of survive the Ohio State part of it. And and look, he's been very upfront. It's it's all about Brian Hartline. If, if he's there, if the roles are similar, he's probably going to stick with Ohio State. But as, as Heartline has been elevated now to co-OC there at OSU with, with obvious, you know, re recruiting footprint as, as good as anyone's at one position, maybe ever, um, schools are going to come call. You know, so so the next month or so are going to be or is going to be fascinating for Brian Hartline, especially if Ohio State remains undefeated in position for the playoff. Um, like it seems like it, it is almost inevitable at this point. So, you know, is what what makes him move? Could it be the league? You know, Brian Hartline was, was an NFL player for quite some time, including with the Dolphins. Could it be, um, you know, another college job, a head job, maybe um, at the FBS level? There's going to be transition beginning here in the next few weeks with some teams that start to let go of, of coaches. And Brian Hartline for, I would say, the group outside of the true blue bloods, all of those schools, I think, should consider – a guy like that. And as that news starts to become clear, the Jeremiah Smith stuff, which is already kind of crazy, will get more crazy. Um, so yeah, Miami has a chance. And that, that Ohio State element is first. And then you have to expand and say, okay, Miami, Florida, Florida State, everybody's got their angle. It feels a bit like the LJ McCray deal, right? Like FSU is like, hey, we're the best team in the state right now. We're throwing it the best right now. This is the right now school. Florida is more, hey, help bring us back. Miami's more, you you know the path we have to come back, and we'll, we'll do it with you and your guys on top of it. So Miami's, the local angle is not just geographical here, it's personal. Uh, we know about his teammates that are, are headed 
uh, to uh, Coral Gables, but it's beyond that. You know, the, the whole Miami Gardens Ravens thing, that movement. Kevin Beard um, has really almost individually kept Miami in this race from a coaching perspective. Because before he was on board, if you remember the Jeremiah Smith flip conversation, it was like USC, Georgia, it was all over the place. Uh, and then once Beard got on board, it became more, hey, I'm sticking with these guys or I'm going to stay in the state of Florida. Uh, it was almost simultaneous with that hire and with the effort that KB has put in with Jeremiah from the very beginning. So I think that is all not to be discounted. We know about the Shannon Dawson connection to Geno Smith, his cousin. Uh, so all of those personal connections are, are Miami by a lot, right? So uh, I think it comes down to all of that. And obviously with his talent, and, and he's as confident as it gets with that talent, as you can see on, on any of these clips, um, he knows he would be the guy. We, we just talked about it with the other recruits. If there's a, a position or two that Miami should expect a freshman impact, almost regardless of who signs, it's the pass catchers and it's the secondary. Uh, so obviously, Jeremiah Smith, I mean, how could he not be a freshman starter? I mean, it, it's crazy to say that. We don't say that uh, about many guys, um, but he has that type of juice. Again, size, polish. He has every single element you look for at the receiver position. And that's why until he signs, Miami will have a chance. Uh, but it is tied and it does begin with Ohio State uh, and, and Brian Hartline. So I, I don't want to make it seem like, hey, this is 50-50 because it's not. But as we get closer to the silly season and the coaching carousel, that yeah. conversation is going to ramp up more and that's going to give Miami more confidence by default. And then the ball is in their court uh, after that. Absolutely. I mean, every time I speak to uh, JJ, it's to me, it's it's about his connection with KB uh, and can they put me in the league? Like th those are like the, the angles that Miami has to kind of push on in order for him to be in orange and green instead of that, you know, silver and scarlet or whatever Ohio State wears. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, we'll continue to track this, obviously, until he puts pen to paper. That's probably the most interesting story besides, of course, LJ McRae coming up this week. John Garcia, kind enough to join me this week. This is a big week for my guy, John. Um, you know, it could be adding another life uh, to this world. So uh, congrats on that. And thank you again for joining me on this podcast, the Storm Tracker podcast, sir. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Appreciate you. No problem. Once again, make sure you subscribe to canescounty.com. Use the promo code Miami30. Also subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker podcast on all platforms. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Until the next episode.